It's another beautiful day in paradise. What's going on, my friend? It's Matt Browning coming back at you from the Driven Entrepreneur Show. This is exciting because it's another Tuesday. It's a teaching Tuesday, and this is here for you. Special thank you before I get started for subscribing or downloading if you listen to the podcast version of this. Uh, thank you for watching on Facebook Live if that's what you're doing. And certainly thank you for tuning in in your cars if you are coercing yourself through the road somewhere and and trying to think of something enjoyable to watch or listen to. I hope this don't watch anything in the car, but this should be an enjoyable uh, show. Today we're starting, I'm really excited about this because we are starting a brand new mini-series. This is going to be a five-part mini-series entitled Winning with Words. And it's all about some really cool ninja language patterns that I think most people don't realize or think about, uh, especially every single day. So we're going to talk about winning with words. And in this five-part series, we'll cover things like the first one today is all about creating reality. And I'm going to talk to you about how our words don't describe reality, they create it, and exactly what that means. Next week, episode two will be Don't Say Don't, or Can You? I'm going to talk all about uh, and teach a little bit on what it actually means when you might have heard somebody say, your brain doesn't process negative, so don't say don't or don't speak negatively. I'm going to break it down what that actually means and the times when it makes perfect sense to don't say don't and the times when it actually makes a lot of good sense to use it and, and how that works. Episode three, the following week, is going to be about how to get unstuck with words. See, the words we use to describe our situations can oftentimes get us in a feeling of stuck and how to get out from stuck. If you ever felt like you had no options and you're kind of just stuck in a spot, stuck with, with no choice of what you have to do, I'm going to break down a few different types of words and word strategies you can use to quite literally rewire your brain and your emotion and recover more choice and give you more options in life. Episode four out of five is going to be called Never Say Never, and well, that's what that is. Well, <laughs> tune in for that one. I think you'll love that. And then the final episode in our five-part mini-series is Say It Like You Mean It, and we're going to cover all the pieces about intonation or the tone in which you say things, and it's really interesting because I'm going to break down um, the three major different types of tone and what each one can signify or mean and when is a good context to use each one. You've all heard a parent at some point say, say it like you mean it. Well, what does that actually mean? Let's break that down. So without any further ado, let's get into this week's episode, episode one of five, Creating Reality. Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Hey, this episode is brought to you by my very own NLP practitioner course. I've been teaching neuro-linguistic programming, or NLP, for nearly 15 years. It is the most powerful tool for communication on the planet, and it can be yours today. For a very limited time, I'm giving away my entire NLP course workbook for free. Go to nlpwithmatt.com. All the patterns, all the tools, and the techniques of NLP in the complete course workbook, the same one that we use to teach our live certification classes, yours free. nlpwithmatt.com. Get it today. Let's get back to the show. 
let's jump into what it actually means to create reality. Now, this isn't some um, woo-woo metaphysical kind of idea about how each one of us creates a reality. I want to I want to talk about it from um, more of a, a neurological and uh, an objective uh, point of view. So, creating reality. Well, the first thing you have to wonder is, and why would I do this in winning with words? Well, I say often in our live classes that. Words don't describe our reality. They create them. What does that actually mean? Well, let's say that I went to uh, I, went, I went to the furniture store and I bought a new couch. When I come back, I'm going to explain to someone what happened. They say, how did the furniture store go? Or they might say, hey, I love your couch. How did you get a good deal? Now, depending on how I word it, what language I choose is going to create a very different experience in my mind, in my subconscious mind. Am I going to say, you know, I didn't get the best deal? Or am I going to say something like, you know, I think they kind of ripped me off a little bit. Or am I going to say, you know what, that guy took advantage of me and they lied to me. Now, I could be describing the exact same scenario with all three sentences. Wouldn't that be crazy? But I could be. It's different though, isn't it? Because each one of those language patterns, each one of those sentences is going to create really a different, what we call in, in the neuro-linguistic programming or NLP field, we call it an internal representation. It's the picture in your mind, the feelings in your mind or in your body, uh, how you say something to yourself. All of that gets created based on how I explained it. The words you choose will very much create a different reaction and a different picture and sounds inside your, your internal experience. Which really begs another question. I think it would be important to, to, uh, to talk about this as well. So what is reality in the first place? I don't want to get too, uh, <laughs> too out there with you. But what is reality? And I ask this at our live trainings quite a bit. And you know the options I give you are this. Is reality what we experience and run into in the external world, what we can see and touch and feel and hear and taste and smell, et cetera. Is that reality? If there's an elephant out in the room, I guess, I mean, that would be a pretty big room, but let's say we're at the zoo and there's an elephant. Well, you might say there's an elephant. I might say there's an elephant. And we could agree that the reality is there's an elephant. So is that reality? Or is reality an internal experience? Simply not the elephant that I see, but the way I envision it in my mind once I've seen it, my experience with it. Is that reality? Well, what's funny is, you know, most people don't want to commit to either one. It's like, well, I think some reality has some external stuff, but also there's something to the internal experience too. So you and I can have a very different experience. What if I have a phobia of elephants? And what if you rode an elephant as a kid and you loved it and you enjoyed it and it was just wonderful? Well, if we both came up to an elephant... I guess the question is, what's the reality? The reality is the experience that you give it. So is it internal? Well, yes. Is it also external? Well, yes. So the definition I would give to reality or how we construct reality is it's the way in which we interact with the external world through our five senses and then interpret it into our internal world and assign meaning, experience, feelings, emotions, and so forth to it. Reality is really the way we internally experience the external stuff. So I'll break down two different types of reality. One I call the objective reality. Objective reality is the one we all agree on. Objectively, there's an elephant there. The second part, though, is subjective reality. Now, subjective reality, 
that's the part where I say, well, subject reality means subjective or subjective reality. Let me see if I can say this correctly. Subjective reality means reality subject to the one who's observing it. So when I, so objective reality is there's an elephant there, but subjective reality are answering questions like this. Is it good or is it bad that the elephant's there? Is it big or is it small? Well, it might depend on your perspective. See, if you were six foot four, which I'm not, if you're six foot four, the elephant might be medium size. But if you were a five-year-old kid looking up at this huge elephant, it might be a monster, a woolly mammoth. So is the elephant big or small? Well, it depends on your perspective a little bit, doesn't it? And I think that makes good sense. But we have to recognize that subjective reality is, at least in my estimation, the most important part of the human experience. Because look, objective reality, no one has problems with objective reality. It's, it, it's not a problem of, you know, the elephant in the room. I think it's actually a good metaphor for that. But it's not a problem that there's an elephant there. The problems come in, like the problems in our life, the problems with our communication come in when we interact with it and we create this subjective reality. I forgot my spouse's birthday. Okay, well, is it really a problem that they had a birthday? No, but it's a subjective reality. It's what does it mean that it got forgotten? It means, it means this. What are the feelings internally associated? Well, now my spouse feels hurt and they feel neglected. They feel like I don't care. <coughs> Excuse me. And those are the parts that are the actual problem itself. Is it a problem you have no money? Look, that's objective reality. Maybe you have no money in the bank account. So what? And you might think, no, no, Matt, I need to pay my bills. Of course you do. But the birds and the bees have no money. They seem to do just fine. I know many, many people all across the world in different nations that have virtually no money whatsoever. And maybe, but maybe they have a piece of land. Maybe they farm for a living. Maybe they fish. Maybe as a community, they, they get together and, and they eat and everything's just perfect. So you see, the point of that is it's not the thing itself. It's not the objective reality itself. It's the subjective reality. It's I have no money and that means I can't buy this thing that I want and that makes me feel bad. Or I can't get food and now I'm hungry. So if I had no money and I lived in the city, that might be a much bigger problem than if I had no money and I lived um, in a small island off Fiji, for instance. Same reality in a way, or a piece of the reality is the same, right? Catch me on that. You know, certainly the environment plays a, a, an impact, but a piece of the reality is the same. So the point of this is that we're talking about subjective reality. And how do you create your subjective reality? Well, there's a few things. Now, if you're not driving and you're uh, a note taker, you know, this, is, this radio show is a little bit about fun, entertainment, um, getting to know people. If you don't already know, every Friday I do an interview Friday with a phenomenal entrepreneur and I get their backstory and their lessons uh, and, and their motivations for kind of why they do what they do and how they became who they became. So it's really fun to get to their stories. And that's Fridays. But Tuesdays, recently, about a month ago, I brought back Teaching Tuesdays. And so if you love this, make sure, especially if you're on the radio, make sure you head over to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts or on-demand audio programs. If you've never been to one of those before, just go to iTunes. If you have an iPhone, open up the Apple uh, podcast app, and search for my name, Matt Browning, or The Driven Entrepreneur, and it'll pop up. You can subscribe, and then you'll get new episodes twice a week, every single week. And every Tuesday is the Teaching Tuesday, just so you don't miss any of these mini-series. I have people email sometimes saying, wait, I got 
miniseries three out of four. Where's the other one or whatnot? If you subscribe, you won't miss a thing. So today we are talking about how words create reality. So the first part of the conversation was understanding subjective reality is the one that you interact with, create, and experience. So what influences how you experience that elephant or whatever, or the money in the bank account or whatever it is? Well, there's a few things, and these are the things you might want to jot down. The first thing is memories. Memories certainly go in uh, to influence the reality construction. So remember, uh, let's say, you know, it was a time, and this might be a little charged, because I know circus is, <laughs> the, when I was a kid, the circus was fun, and no one knew how anything about animals or, you know, all that, the stuff that's happened and changed over the years. But when I was a kid, it was like, you go to the circus, and there's an elephant, and there's a lion, and there's monkeys, and it, that was a big part of the fun. So maybe this, one of the, these people went to a circus when they were a kid, and they saw an elephant, and they had the time of their life. But then another kid went to the zoo and they saw an elephant and then they almost got stampeded because the elephant turned at him real quick and they got scared. What well, do you think these two people with two different memories, when they grow up and they go experience an elephant, maybe on safari, let's say, do you think they might have two different reality experiences of witnessing the elephant? Well, yeah, because one person's heart's going to thump and get scared and the other person's heart's going to thump with joy at remembering something. So the memories you have will absolutely influence how you interact with something. But other pieces are there too. So it's also the, your age, uh, the environment you grew up in. You know, did you, how do you interact with money today? Well, I don't know. Did you grow up during the Great Depression? Did you grow up uh, when the economy was booming? Did you have a mom or dad that fought over money? Or did you have a mom or dad that... Uh, spent money to buy your love, or do they have a good relationship with money? See, all of these things in your environment are also going to uh, not dictate, but influence. Right? They're going to they're give you an influence, a way to look at something. But one of the biggest ones that influences our reality is the words we choose to use. The words we choose to use. Did somebody neglect to tell you the whole story, or were they lying to you? And doesn't that create a different internal experience? And look, even as I say that right now, that might trigger, right? That might trigger you a little bit. And you're like, no, you're either all truth or a lie. Well, that's part of your values. That's something that's important to you. Maybe you've been lied to. So now for you, there's this line in the sand that you're either lying or you're telling the truth. But some people say, well, hey, I forgot to mention this versus an out and out lie. Using the word lying really doesn't that have a stronger uh, experience. It has a stronger emotion um, compared to fibbing. Oh, it was a little fib. Or how about we made this one up, a white lie? See, some of you will say there's only one kind of lie, and it's a bad one. But other people say, well, there's a lie. There's a lie that hurts people, but there's also a lie that tries to help people. And then there's little white lies that aren't really significant. And there's this and there's that. What we're really saying is the different words we use are going to change the experience. What we're really trying to do is change the narrative. We're trying to change the story and change the meaning. Every word you use changes a meaning. Other ways to do this is, and I'm going to talk about this in episode two when we get into don't say don't. You know, listen to this sentence. What does this mean? Don't forget to pick up the kids after school versus, hey, Remember to pick up the kids after school. Is there a difference? Well, certainly. 
Now, it's not that one is right or wrong. They're both trying to say the same thing. But think about what happens internally. Listen again. What if I said, don't forget to pick up the kids from school? What, what, do you, what picture do you make in your mind? Do you make a picture in your mind? You know, one of the pictures might be you sitting on the couch and looking at your watch and going, oh my gosh, I forgot. Or it might be a picture in your mind of you driving up to the school and meeting the kids at the right time. And the interesting thing is, I don't know what it's going to make for you. I do think it makes a lot of sense that more likely than not, if I said, remember to pick up the kids after school, I think the person is more likely to remember because they're more likely, not certain, but more likely to make a picture in their mind of doing the proper activity. Where if I say, hey, don't forget about this, it doesn't guarantee they're going to forget, certainly, right? I say that all the time. You know, I'll say, I, I say it both ways to my son, you know, hey, don't forget about this, or hey, please remember this. I try to say it the way I want it more than not, and we'll talk about that again next week a little uh, much more in depth. But just in general, consider that you could say it one way or the other, and it might very well create a different reality internally for someone. And why is that important? Because if I'm more likely to make a picture of not doing the thing, then that means I believe if I'm walking around with a different picture in my mind, I'm more likely to not do the thing in actuality. So it really comes back to real application and how you walk something out. I think it's extremely important. So words create reality. Words create reality. One of the other things we'll get into in some of the other topics are uh, stuck words, getting getting out. And just to kind of, I guess this will become, I didn't intend this, but it's going to be a little precursor for episode three. And there's words that are like, what if, let me, let me tell you uh, my morning, uh, my morning experience. What do you say to yourself just before you get out of bed in the morning? Like the moment before you finally move the covers and your feet hit the floor. Do you say something like, well, it's time. I got to get up. I have to get up. Or do you say something like, all right, you know, I could do anything today. Let's see what the day has. Now, I don't know. But one of them is going to create one reality because it's going to create an emotion in you. If I say, oh boy, I have to get up today. That creates this stuck of there's only one option. I have to face the day and maybe I don't actually want to. But you could say a different word like, you know what? It's time. And we're going to get something accomplished. It's time to get up and, and it's time to get up and face the day versus it's time. I, I got to face the day. So you could almost say the same thing in a way, but even the tone in which you say it changes the reality that you experience. And again, man, this isn't just positive thinking. Think about it. If you got out of bed and you drudge and trudge yourself, that's even a word, over to the bathroom and you're not looking forward to it, and you say things like, oh boy, well, here's another day, uh, another Monday, Garfield, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Are you more or less likely to find more things that are going wrong? So I think you're more likely to find things that are going wrong if you're already speaking about them. Have you ever noticed this? When you're already stressed and feel like you're running late, you find you hit more red lights on the way to work, you find more people trying to cross the street when usually they're not there. You find more people, you know, like looking on their phones or not paying attention. And all of a sudden, these idiots are everywhere. Well, is that really what's happening? Yes and no. It's like, were there that many people doing that same thing yesterday? 
Probably, maybe, maybe not. But it is interesting how when you start speaking that way, when you start feeling that way, you're more likely to encounter it, run into it, and experience it. Even if it's just, and, and again, I don't think this is some cosmic show where the universe or you know whatever is trying to do so. I don't know that that's really happening. Most likely. I think it's as simple as your subconscious mind begins to look for consistency. And it's been shown through many studies that the subconscious mind is always looking for consistency. It's a process called generalization. You're trying to generalize ideas and concepts, individual ideas, like, oh, there's so many idiots on the road. Maybe somebody says that. Well, your unconscious mind, if you say that, it doesn't want to make you into a liar, does it? No, you don't want to be a liar. You want to tell the truth because people that tell the truth are better people. It seems that way, at least, right? Those are the people we, who admires liars, right? Nobody admires liars naturally. So I think it would make logical sense that we would admire people who can tell the truth, stand up straight and do the right things. So you subconsciously want to do that. You want to do the right things, stand up straight, and you want to be the one who's telling the truth. So when you say something like, oh, all these idiots everywhere on the road, your subconscious mind wants to make you a truth teller. So it's going, you're going to find more ways to reconcile that. It's pretty simple, isn't it? It's pretty simple logic. Whereas if you say, you know what, everybody's great when you give them a chance. Hey, everyone's doing the best they can with the resources they have. And I'm running a little late, so hopefully people will be kind to me today and I'm going to look for kindness on the road. And look, it might sound like an exercise in futility, especially if you live in Los Angeles. But it's not. Because the truth is, there's people on the road that are selfish and that are angry. There's also people on the road who are kind and, 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 and sweet and selfless and trying to do the right thing as well by you. But your subconscious mind is going to start behaving and, and going towards those people. Um, there's so much to the words are creating reality. You know, if you are in a world, if you're in your own world right now of, of massive political upheaval, I can almost but guarantee some of the things that you do with your words, but also even the media that you consume. I'm willing to bet that there's probably social media feeds of different political parties and opinions and, and, and comment threads and things like that that maybe you read or run into. I'll bet maybe you're watching different news channels, whichever one you think is the right one or the wrong one, and they're telling you all about this, this political party that is so terrible and what they're doing. And right now, the world, and that's not accurate. It's not the world being polarized. It's a very small minority, actually. There's also some interesting studies showing that um, uh, the, um, the percentage of people on the left and the percentage of people on the right that are extreme, that are very, very in their place and believe the other side is drastically wrong and wants to talk about this is about 14% in total. 8% on the left, 6% on the right fascinating. I'll put that, maybe I'll put that on my Facebook or something. I don't know if I, if I want to, uh, if I put the link to the study, cause then people are going to go nuts on me, but you know, we'll see how it goes. Follow me on social media at Matt Browning, B-R-A-U-N-I-N-G at Matt Browning on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, wherever you get your social media fix. Um, but I'll see about that. But it's fascinating that there's about 14%, according to the study of the population that really wants to engage in sort of a uh, us or them, um, very kind of tribal mentality and very uh, right way and wrong way, left wing, right wing, etc. 
But that leaves 86% of the population that claim to this poll that they fall in the middle category, which is, I'm kind of in the middle. I see the, what makes sense on both sides, but I don't really want to talk about it. And worse, I don't feel like I can talk about it because if I say anything, then someone is going to come out and tell me that I'm evil. And there's actually a lot of people who, who are believing that. So think about the language and the words you say. The words you use to describe the political climate. Is it polarized? Or are there, like for me, I'll say, hey, there's extremists on each side, but I don't believe the whole world is polarized. I believe Twitter's polarized. I believe that some of the, the, the most vocal activists in different camps are polarized. But I don't believe the whole world is polarized, so that makes sense. It seems like the world is, but the truth is that most of the people who don't fall in that category don't speak up about the fact that they're not. <laughs> so just always know that when it comes to reality, there's more than meets the eye, and there's more that you can do with your words to create more of the reality you want. I love saying things like, hey, everyone's doing the best they can with the resources they have. Look, it doesn't change external circumstances. What it does do is it changes the internal reality I experience. And you know what? That's a really good thing. I think if, if, if I can control my words and be precise with what I say, and, and I can choose my words wisely, if I can decrease my own anxiety levels, you know, really feeling less anxious because I'm speaking about things more peacefully, if I can increase more peace, if I can have more excitement towards my work versus less dread, to me, that's a good thing. And I think that's a good thing for most people if we can control a little more of our internal reality and words aren't everything, but they're a heck of a lot. So that's episode one out of five for the next four weeks leading up to the holiday time. I think the last one's going to drop on Christmas Eve. Um, this week is Thanksgiving. So listen, like I said, there's a lot going on in the world right now. There's a lot going on with your business, with your life, with your family and everything. Take the time this week, no matter what's going on, whether it's you know your family is having troubles or your family hasn't seen, you haven't seen each other as much as you like, or maybe you spend all the time together. Take this week and and do what you can uh, to create more peace. Do what you can to create more love. Do what you can to lean into the people that are important to you. And if you're in America, have a phenomenal Thanksgiving. If you're anywhere out rest in the world, have a phenomenal week and know that I'm having a good Thanksgiving in America. Love you guys. Make sure you subscribe to the show, of course, on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all those places. Leave a rating review if you don't mind. A rating and review makes a huge, huge difference. More people find us that way. And then I can keep doing two weeks, uh, two episodes every single week, completely free for you. As usual, my friends, get out there. Don't crush it this week. Get out there and love it. <laughs> <laughs>